Hey, everybody. Thank you for watching Kingdom Minded Podcast. Um, this is your host. My name is Shane Blackledge. And today we have Tamala May on the uh, podcast today, uh, giving her testimony. And she's also going to share with us about her ministry. And I'm so excited for this today. Um, and I just I just want you to, uh, if you haven't already, please uh, like the video, share the video and subscribe if you're watching. Um, but I just really want to just uh, just share just a few minutes uh, about the things that God has done in my life. You know, I grew up in a very poor household uh, with poverty. Um, my parents got divorced uh, when I was very young, about five or six years old. And uh, after my mom left and moved back to Taipei, Taiwan, um, that's when things really went downhill for me. Uh, and not only just for me, it, for my siblings as well. We experienced a lot of uh, pain and trials and trauma. Um, I was made fun of a, a lot. Um, I grew up in a mainly uh, all white community. I was one of the only minorities in school in in this town called Evansdale after my my dad had lost his house and um we ended up having to go to this town uh next to Waterloo and it was just a lot of problems kids made fun of me i was bullied i was uh made fun of a lot for my skin color uh, for the clothes that I wore. And very early on, I suffered from anxiety and depression. And then I just turned to, I turned to cigarettes, then to alcohol, then to weed, then to drugs. And by the time I was, you know, 13 years old, I'm doing drugs all the time, every day. And then I joined a gang. I, I felt like I belonged to this gang. I felt like they took care of me, that they, that, uh, there was this brotherhood, there's this bond. And, uh, Ultimately, I ended up doing a lot of sinful things, uh, a lot of gang activity. Uh, I basically just grew up on the streets, man. I grew up in the projects doing bad things. And by the time I was 17 years old, I found myself in a jail facing 30 years in prison. And uh, man, at a moment in my life where I wanted to end it all, where I'm like, why do I want to live this life? If this is the cards that is dealt to me, Jesus showed up in that jail cell. It was just me and this Gideon Bible. And I opened it up. And I, I'll never forget this because I opened it up right to John 3. And that verse just spoke life into me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so I realized that day, that God loved me because I doubted, did my parents actually love me? You know, they got divorced and my mom had moved away and my dad was gone a lot. And, you know, later on, years later, I do realize, and I did realize that my parents did love me. But during that moment in that time, when I was just a young kid, I didn't think so. But I, and I realized that God loved me in that moment. And then when I went to prison at a very young age, um, and did a lot of time, years and years of being in prison, incarcerated. Uh, I just grew really close to God. He changed my life. And I have been a testament to what God can do um, if you just believe in him. He delivered me from drug addiction. Um, he delivered me from the trauma of incarceration. Um, he delivered me from the trauma of um, childhood uh, 
pain and hurt and suffering. So praise the Lord for what God can do in my life and what God can do in your life. There's hope in Jesus Christ. And as we're just like only a few make what we're a week away from Christmas. It's a time where we can just reflect on Jesus, his coming uh, as he came as a baby to save the world. Uh, but not only to save the world, but God's with us and he abides in us. And so I'm just so uh, blessed to be uh, alive. <laughs> I'm blessed to even be on earth because uh, there are so many times that I've almost died. Um, drug addiction, overdoses, car accidents, near death experience. But God saved me. He spared me. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to share the gospel. I'm here to show people that there's a better way. And I'm so excited. Uh, tonight, it's not about me. It's about Tamala. And I'm going to hand it off to her so she can introduce herself and share her testimony. Thank you so much for coming on Kingdom Minded today. Well, thank you so much for having me tonight. I just really appreciate this opportunity. Um, I feel a little guilty doing my story after your story because I grew up uh, in North Dakota in a little rural community in a farm family, a town of about 2000 people. It was about as traditional as life could be. I mean, you went to church every Sunday, you had meals together, you said grace before every meal. Everything was just as traditional as could be. There were only girls in our family, so I was number two. So I was a little bit of a deviant, but compared to some deviants, my story really wasn't that bad. But um, went as a as having only girls in the family ended up learning how to do a lot of stuff out on the farm so it made me a little resilient i think which came in handy later on in my life but went to college got a degree as a nurse i always wanted to be a nurse god just put it in my heart from a young age that i was just going to take care of people and that was just what i always wanted to do i just loved to visit with people, get to learn their story, get to know them. It was just such an incredible privilege. So I got my degree um, as a nurse and met my husband when I was in college. A couple of years after I graduated, we got married. A couple of years after we were married, we started our family. We had two boys, each two years apart. And then we had a surprise two years later, and it was my baby girl. And everything was really going well in our lives, just the way it was supposed to. You know, we never made a ton of money. We lived paycheck to paycheck, but we were the traditional family. My husband uh, at the time was um, came from a family that was known for divorces. Everybody got divorced. There was rampant with alcoholism. And he, part of what attracted him to me was the fact that I had this traditional background and I could help him to break free from what he came from. And so we, after our kids got into grade school, we decided that we wanted to start sharing our parenting abilities with some less fortunate kids. And so we started doing uh, foster care and we had lots of children in and out of our house over the years. A great experience. Um, it makes you really grateful for where you are born from in some of these situations. It also helped my kids to understand that while they didn't have everything that the rich kid might have, they had a lot compared to what a lot of kids had. It also made them really good with kids. Uh, my daughter pretty much became a mother at a young age. She was always caring for the little ones. So it was, it was pretty cool. 
So I decided we moved out to part of the state that was very rural, and I decided to go back to grad school and get my degree as a nurse practitioner. I was in my last semester of grad school, so life was really crazy with three kids. And um, at that point, we didn't have a placement and foster care services, social services had called on a Friday, asked if we could take a placement on Monday. And for us, traditionally, what would happen is my husband would get a call. He'd check in with me, see if it was something that we could manage based on where we were at with our kids, our lives, those kinds of things. And we had actually done respite for this kid before, and he was just a cool little kid. So I think he was six years old, but we were really excited. We thought that even though our lives were really crazy, we could handle the placement. And so that um, that was a Friday. We were going to get him on Monday. Saturday morning, woke up. Our house was crazy. I went down to the dance studio with my daughter. She had competition coming up, so they needed parents there. My boys were both in scouts, and my husband actually worked for the Boy Scouts at that time. So they had some activity they had going on. Me and the kids got home and the kids all wanted to go play with their friends and do stuff. And I let them go um, because I had a ton of homework to do and I just needed to get to that point. So my husband came home and justifiably so he was upset with me that I had let the kids go do fun stuff before they had their um, chores done. And we kind of had to squabble like married people do. And then he said, I'm done. I'm not going to be married to you anymore. Totally out of the blue. Oh, never once goodness. had said anything about not wanting to be married. Um, never, We never fought. We were a great team. As a matter of fact, in a point in all of this, he actually said, you're my best friend and we have a great relationship. It just doesn't make a marriage. Um, so over the next several um, weeks, um, we went, he went back and forth from his mom's place to our house. We didn't know what was going to happen. And it got to a point where he just said, I'm just done. We're done. We're getting divorced. And so coming from the traditional background that I came from, while divorce is rampant in a lot of families, it wasn't in mine. It mm. was taboo. And I was going to be stamped with a divorce title. That was something that I never wanted. I came from a family, a bunch of overachievers, very traditional, like I said, and I found myself in a place that I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. My parents, while they're wonderful parents, didn't know how to even look at me because they didn't know what to do with divorce. That just didn't happen in our family. And I found myself searching for God in a way that I had never searched for him before. And so while my situation may not seem bad to a lot of other people's situations, it was the thing that broke me, that got me on my knees, that got me at this point of real desperation. And like I said, I grew up in church, so I knew him. I was confirmed. I went to Sunday school. I did all of those things. But now I needed to know the Lord in a totally different way. Yeah. And so I knew this girl that I used to work with who was just a soul on fire. And I wasn't really getting fed at the church that I was at. So I'm like, I need to go where she goes. So I went to a non-denominational charismatic church as far, far out of the spectrum that I grew up in as you could possibly get. And it was a little bit overwhelming at first because I was like, oh, I don't know. 
And so it was like the third time I ever went to church there. And mind you, I was very ashamed of what was happening in my life. I had become sure. a nurse practitioner at this point. I was somebody in the community. And now, I mean, people were going to know that I was divorced. I didn't know how all of that. And we were in a smaller community, about 15,000 people. So everybody knows everybody's business. And especially when you're in a role like a nurse practitioner, a provider in the clinic, everybody knows what's going on. So I was really ashamed. Um, but not only that, that had surfaced yet. So this church knew that I was a nurse practitioner. They knew that I had, um, you know, some kids. They didn't know I was, my husband had left me, any of that. And it was the third time I ever went to church there. And there's times when you go to church or you listen to a minister online or something and you're like, whoa, were they following me around all week? Because their message just is like right to you. And right that was you. the message that I had that day. This robust um, pastor just fired brimstone. And his message that day was, there is evil in this world, but God always wins. And I was just like, whoa. And so I was sitting there thinking, you know, I really want a pastor to pray for me because I hadn't had that opportunity. So I was like, I think I'm going to stay afterwards. This is a conversation I'm having with myself. And I'm sure. like, I think I'm going to stay afterwards and see if they'll pray with me. And so the guest pastor gets done. He hands the microphone to the regular pastor. And I am not kidding you. All he knows is my name and maybe a few details. He comes walking over to me and he says, Tamala, I don't know what's going on in your life, but God has laid you on my heart and I feel like you need prayer. And I was like, wow. I was like, God saw me. God oh. saw me. He saw those nights that I was crying. He saw the yes. pain that I was going through. He knew it. So wherever you're at, when you get to that point of being on your knees, whatever it is that brings you to that, he sees you. He knows that you're going through that. And that totally transformed my journey. Um, my journey wasn't over after that. A year later, my 15-year-old daughter had open heart surgery. We knew that she had was born with a congenital defect. And then after surgery, she had some neurological problems. And that became yeah. a whole journey to, um, they initially said that it was psychosomatic because she was going through all this stress in her house and in our house. And they put her on antidepressants and she's just a little spitfire. And she's like, I am not taking this stuff. I'm not depressed. Oh, so wow. <laughs> we found out that it was an insult to the brain when she had her open heart surgery. Mm. Um, and so two years after that, I had a congenital hip defect and I had to have surgery and the surgery basically for lack of a better way of saying it, it got messed up. There was a mistake in the OR that they didn't tell me about. And I went home thinking everything was fine. And two, uh, four weeks after the first surgery, I had to have a second total hip replacement. And no way. And then I had to have a third surgery. And mind you, at this point, I am a single mom. I'm working about 80 hours a week. All that I had was two weeks to get off of work. That's all I could afford. This ended up being nine weeks that I was off of work. And I would have stayed off of work longer, but I was out of paid time off. I was out of short-term disability. I was out of everything. So I went back to work on crutches, doing IV antibiotics. I mean, it was everything. Wow. Um, it was crazy. So and that's kind of a nutshell of everything that happened over the years. And I sometimes have reflected back on it and I thought, you know, maybe God just thought that I was really stubborn. So he had to have me go through a lot of things to transform me. 
But what I learned was that God is always there. And while my family loves me and they care for me, they didn't get what I was going through. And my friends and my sisters, they had their lives and they went on with their lives. And God was the only one that I could really, truly depend on. But I had to learn to depend on him in a way that I hadn't before. So after my second hip replacement, my parents brought me home and my mom was going to stay with me for a while. And I mean, I am weaker than I have ever been in my entire life. I mean, I would not recommend a hip replacement in the first place, much less a second one four weeks after the first one. And they've gotten a lot better since that time. So, sure. um, but it was not good. I came home and it was not good. And I lived in a four level split. So to get up to my bedroom, I had to do steps. And so my daughter and my dad had to practically carry me up to my room. And I was in a ton of pain and I was miserable and I was hurting and I got into my bed and my parents oh, are like, man. you know, do you need anything else? And I'm like, no, just, just let me be. And they right. thought that, that meant that I didn't need anything. And they left. They left me with my 17 year old daughter who was at school all day. It was crazy. And so a few years after that, there was a day that I was standing in the shower and God and I were having these conversations. And mind you, I profess about how wonderful God is, but trust me, I've had my conversations with him where I've been a little right. upset. Like, why did you do this? <laughs> and that would be one of those days. I was like, yes. you know, my husband left me. You left me to raise these kids by myself. You know, because when my husband left, he pretty much checked out of being in the kids' lives too. And I'm like, you left me with being a single parent. I'm not supposed to do this alone. Here I am alone. My parents were supposed to help me. I was by myself trying to heal and recover from all of this. And I sometimes when you hear God, you hear him kind of. And sometimes when you hear God, it's almost like you can audibly hear his voice. And that yeah. morning when I was standing in the shower having that conversation, it was like I could audibly hear his voice. And I can even mm. tell you today the spot I was looking at in the shower. And I was just like, God, why? Where are you? Why am I doing this all alone? And he said, if your husband was still here, if your parents were still here, if you would have had people walking right beside you with all of this, you would have never learned to trust me. Mm. And the depth of my love for the Lord and my commitment to him now is because he was the only thing that I had. Wow. He was, he was it. And so while I've worked in healthcare so many years and I took care of people that come from every kind of situation and I'd feel bad for them and I'd have sympathy for them. It's a whole nother thing to have empathy and to be at that broken place where you just don't know how you're going to do tomorrow, much less sometimes hour to hour, or maybe you, you just don't get why it's all happening to you, you know, there's, or that anxiety where you feel like you're going to crawl out of your own skin, all of those things. So as a result of that, I have started doing ministry things because I've wanted to help people in healthcare for years, but, you know, God enabled me to do the things that I do in healthcare and I still work in, in oncology in healthcare full time, but there's a whole nother world out there where God is just needing people to help show him, show them that he's out there and that he sees you and that he's there and that he's not going to fail you. And when you're relying on only him, he will see you through. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, it's like, 
you know, I, I say this all the time, jokingly, I think everybody should go to prison for two years. Like, <laughs> and the reason why is because when I went to prison, it made me rely on him and him alone mm -hmm. because like my parents weren't there. Like my friends weren't there. Like they all disappeared, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, the first couple of months in jail and whatnot, you, you get letters. And then once you go down as the months go by, you just don't hear from people anymore and they fall off. And I realized uh, during my incarceration that I wasn't alone, that God was with me. And it really helped me to have a personal relationship with God. And he became my spiritual father. Um, and because, you know, I had, um, you know, my dad was working all the time. I didn't really have a very healthy relationship with him. We always butted heads. And um, during my time in prison is when I got close to God, the father, and he filled the void, the emptiness that I had felt in my life for so long. He filled that and he made me feel complete. He made me feel whole and he gave me peace and he gave me rest. So, um, we have something in common because um, pain brought us to having a relationship with God and we had to go through it. It was almost like we went through that wilderness season, mm -hmm. right? And, but you mm -hmm. come out of the wilderness um, with a call on your life um, to do more to help people. Well, and I think of, you know, it's in a couple different places in scriptures, but Paul is the one that I think about when he says, I rejoice in my suffering. And when you read that, you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but if it wasn't for my suffering, I wouldn't know God like I do. And I wouldn't know my future with him. And I wouldn't have this peace and joy, even in the midst of my life still not being perfect. I just have this amazing relationship with him. And it was because of heartache and it was because of pain. And, you know, I just between all of the surgeries that I ended up having, because I ended up having more after that, my daughter, um, my one son took some turns in life, ended up with a felony charge. Um, you know, moms just love to see their sons in orange jumpsuits. Um, but he is one semester away from graduating with an engineering degree because God is faithful when you just continue to Amen. pursue him. He is faithful. Wow. And are you able to walk like normally yep. today? Like you can no problem. I actually have had both hips and both knees replaced as of last year, <laughs> and I am walking great. I do have to tell you the story about my daughter because it's just sometimes we read the Bible and we hear about miracles and we're like, that's so cool that miracles take place. And we don't always look in our world where we're at and see the miracles that happen around us. So my daughter ended up going on medication. It was this tremor, this movement thing that she had. Like it was so bad she would sit on her hand so that kids wouldn't make fun of her. And so once mm. we finally found the right medication, it was great. Well, then she started dating a guy and we went for her annual follow-up for um, her heart and her valve was starting to show some deterioration and they put in a tissue valve so she could have babies. But the problem with a tissue valve is it only lasts for 10 to 15 years. 
And so we asked the cardiologist, you know, can she still have babies? You know, is she still where it's at right now? And he's like, yeah, but she needs to do it sooner rather than later. So this was in January. So instead of getting married the following July, she got month, married six months later. And uh, the following year had a baby. But ironically, when she decided that they were going to start working on having a baby, she had to come off of the medication because it wasn't compatible with pregnancy. And the mm. tremor was gone the movement stuff was gone. She had been on meds for years and it was gone. The brain rewired itself. And then after she had the baby, wow. her heart was in better shape than it was before she had the baby. No way. So that wow. just does crazy cool stuff. <laughs> now you got to push through it and it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know, um, for anybody who remembers um, Genie in the Bottle, you know, we want the little rub, the little Genie yeah. in the Bottle. And we want it right now. <laughs> but that's just not the way that our God works. Yes. Patience, right? Yeah. Well, I think the other thing too, with that whole analogy of genie in the bottle. So those of people who haven't seen it, it's this genie that was in this bottle and she had this master and she could rub the bottle and say what, so he could rub this bottle and say what he'd want it and she'd give it to him. And sometimes when she granted his wish, it was a big mess. And that was the episode. So we're kind of like that with God. We tell God what we want sometimes. And then yeah. later on, we're like, whoo, that's a good thing you didn't answer me that time. Right, right. Or I say this too, be careful what you pray for, because yes. you might not be ready for the answer. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. So like now that you've, you know, been through all this stuff and, and through the pain and stuff like that, what kind of things are, are you doing in ministry and serving the Lord? So I lead our women's ministry at our church. I also have led a women's Bible study for years now. It's just continued. One of the things that happened, and I can't even tell you exactly how it happened other than it's a God thing. So in my hurt and pain, and this probably started a couple years after the divorce, I would just pour myself into God, everything that I could read or get my hands on. And then I'd text this one friend of mine and I'd be like, hey, this is what I read today. This is really cool. And somewhere in there, I started elaborating on it and I started writing devotions. Mm. And out of that, I started, and so I'd send it to her. And then pretty soon I found myself actually writing the devotions. And I can't even tell you when was the first day I wrote my first one, but I'd send it to her. And pretty soon I sent it to a couple more friends and pretty soon, and pretty soon I was texting this out to over a hundred people a day when I'd sent, when I'd write them. And so I have over a thousand of them written right now. And I will, I, I, then I had somebody say, well, you need to publish these. These are really good. And I'm like, um, I don't know about that. I don't know that I'm a writer. And then God um, kept on pulling me back, kept on pulling me back. He was very patient with me, but um, Satan threw some obstacles in my way. And I got a little sidetracked on some life things that were fun, but not very faith-based. And so um I got back on track and uh, published my first book uh, in May, and it's just the first 30 um, devotionals that we did, and so I'm going to do two more of them. I continue to try to write devotionals on a regular basis. I have started speaking at more events and engagements. I'm going to start being a fill-in um, minister at my daughter's church in one of the rural areas in North Dakota um, because they're lacking um, ministry help in some of these rural areas. And so that's kind of where I'm going. I'm also writing a book that'll be done in the spring. 
that really is a, show, a showcase of hurt and pain in scripture. When we look at the Bible, sometimes we look at it as characters that are very far apart from where we're at. And we really need to look at scripture and look at the people in scripture and learn from them because they're as human as you and I are. And there's so much we can learn about it. And so the title of the book is Overcoming When It Hurts. And we like to think that in this world, it's not going to hurt and that we're going to just you know, go through life and it's all going to be easy. I think when we were born, we're, we're fed this lie or, or there's this euphemism that we have out there that, you know, you're going to grow up in this nice house and then you're going to get married and then you're going to have a nine to five job and you're going to come home to this happy family. And then you're going to have babies and they're going to grow up and everything's going to be peachy. And then when things don't work out that way, we're devastated by it. But really scripture tells us that this world is not, going to be an easy world. There's there going to be hurt and pain in this world. And so when we look at people in the Bible, we see that lots of them, lots and lots of them went through a lot of hurt and pain also. So we need to learn how they overcame that hurt and pain. And that's where I'm writing this book to help people understand what happens in the Bible to the Bible characters when they faced hurt and pain. But the one thing that I will tell you is every one of those stories God comes through. When people are obedient in hurt and pain, God always Amen. comes through. He Amen. always shows up. There's That's not a awesome. single person in scripture that he left in their misery when they sought him and they were faithful and obedient to him. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, that That's awesome. Praise the Lord. So I published From Prison to Purpose. It's available on Amazon. Um, and I published that two years ago and I'm working on my second book right now. I've been writing like crazy the last, um, several weeks to try to get this thing done, uh, before the end of the year. And, uh, it's called overcoming codependency with Christ. So we have two people with an overcoming theme and God's in the mix. And I'm actually, the first part is what is codependency and then am I codependent? And I lay out all the symptoms, all the, uh, the traits of codependency with examples so that you can really pinpoint and see the areas that you would need to work on so that you can have healthy boundaries and have healthy relationships. And ultimately Jesus is the healer. He is the one that can help us. And he's the one uh, that can um, just really minister to us and um, and give us the strength to to say no when we when we need to if we're people pleasing and things like that. Um, but the second part of the book is going through the Bible and pulling out all the Bible characters that have some form of codependency, um, and so that's really neat and. Um, to be able to look at um, the Bible with a different lens, because as far as I know, I don't know anybody else um, that's written uh, a book uh, specifically about um, the different Bible characters and the codependency that um, that they had. So it's really that's neat awesome. to to do that. <laughs> what I would say to that is interestingly, um, so my divorce was final less than a week before my 20th wedding anniversary. And my mm -hmm. husband and I had dated for three and a half years. So in 23 plus years, 
I had never seen my husband totally drunk. My husband was a closet alcoholic. He would drink to maintain and he would mix vodka with stuff so that he was nipping all day long, but nobody really knew. And I mean, I, I like to think that I'm kind of intelligent, but man, that stuff was happening right under my nose and I had no idea. Um, but what was interesting is once I figured out how much he was drinking and I started looking at what a codependent I had become without even knowing his alcoholism, you know, us nurses, we're really, really good codependents because, you know, we want to help people and we want to fix we things. Help we want to help everybody. Better. And holy cow, was I good codependent. So I spent a lot of time in open AA meetings and Al-Anon meetings and just really learning what I had become and how I had become sick without even knowing it. Yeah. And, and the thing is with codependency in my, you know, in, in the last, you know, 10 years of my life working with people in recovery uh, with mental illness and drug addiction and, and, uh, you know, pornographic addiction, sex addiction, all the different addictions. Um, it's really kind of come to the, come to light recently in maybe the last, um, five or 10 years where um, it was codependency was just connected to families of alcoholics. But now we're seeing codependency is connected to all dysfunctional families. Um, and you can be codependent and not have a, a, a partner that's alcoholic. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to help people realize is that you maybe codependent and you don't even know it. And the good news is once you know what you have, um, then you can begin working on it. If you don't know you have a problem, how are you going to work on fixing it? Mm -hmm. You know? And, uh, I know because I struggled with codependency. I was, um, I tried to fix my relationships. Um, I tried to control in my uh, relationships. I was a really good manipulator. Um, I was a overworker, you know, working tons and tons and tons of hours to exhaustion all the time. Um, people pleaser. I would never say no to my boss. If I, you know, I would just pick up shift after shift after shift, work, work after work, side job after side job. Even I didn't even want to do them. I just did them anyways, you know, because I sought validation from people instead of God. And so this book is, is going to be an eye opener for, for a lot of people. I know that in my books, by the way, um, I make no money off my books. I sell my books for it's $5 on Amazon. It's the lowest I can set the price. And I just get them into prisons, jails, treatment centers. Wow. I give them away. You know, I, I'll buy like a hundred copies at a time and I just give them away. And then I'll buy another hundred copies and give them away. Um, I just want them, you know, <laughs> matter of fact, I took, uh, I took some copies into the, to the prison this morning because uh, this morning I went into a, a Missouri prison and, um, and preach the gospel there and, and did the church service this morning. So, yes. Wow. How do you get your, how, where, how do you, how do I get your devotion? Is it? So my devotion is on Amazon. It's under Tamla okay. May and it's called starting the journey. 
Um, and then there, I have a ministry called Pursuing Christ Ministries, and really we're working on building that right now. The goal is that eventually I have a couple of people that are helping me with it too. And we just really want to be there for people that are hurting and struggling. Um, this world is hard and, you know, God never intended for us to do it alone. And, you know, you need to partner with other Christians and walk through it together. And I had Christians that walked with me when I, as one of my friends says, when you're a baby Christian and you're just learning this stuff. And so now it's my turn to, um, to pay it forward. I think that it's really important that, you know, when you decide that you're going to become a Christian and until you get to the part where you're firmly planted, I think the enemy likes to play a lot of games with you. And it's really important that you have resources and people supporting you. And so um, you can contact us through Pursuing Christ Ministries um, website, and we're here to help you, to follow up with you, to pray with you. Um, we just totally overlook the power of prayer. I think that when you look at um, Facebook and, you know, somebody posts something that's really tragic and people say praying for you or they do the praying hands. Do they really stop to pray? Do they really stop to pray every person that posts that? Because when you really stop to pray, powerful things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I actually uh, posted today on my Facebook. How can I be praying for you today? And I do that periodically, you know, once every couple of weeks. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't surprise me that there's a lot of comments, a lot of prayer requests, and and some of them are private and they'll message me and, and some will comment it right there. I don't care. Um, when I do it, I, I make sure that I'm intentional on praying over that situation, praying for that person, um, because I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that uh, prayer is our connection to God. And that's uh, if you want to know how to navigate through the storms, how to navigate through the tough times in life, um, connecting with God, drawing close to him, reading the word, Bible mm -hmm. studying, prayer, meditation, all those things are good. Right. Um, I do have a question for you. So yeah. um, you had brought this up and I, I was divorced. So I, I, I feel the pain. I understand what that's like. And I know for people that are going to watch this and are watching this um, video um, and going through divorce or have already went through a divorce or abandonment um, that hurts. So mm -hmm. my wife left me and abandoned me and then relapsed. And then, you know, we got divorced. She left and she wanted to go back to doing drugs. And I had already went down that road of being clean, relapsing, got my life back on track. I'm not going back down that road again. Um, it, it, I'm not doing it. And so divorce, it's one of the most painful things I've ever went through in my life because you start taking a look at yourself like, what's wrong with me, right? Mm -hmm. why, why did they not love me? I thought I did everything right. I thought we were going to have this perfect life, like the white house with the picket fence and, mm -hmm. you know, me and my nice, you know, just all the things that you dream of having as a child, like of, you know, ha having your own family and having some kids. And, and it feels like when you go through divorce, your dreams are just shattered and out the window. 
but that's not the case because um, I've since been remarried and I have an amazing, amazing, wonderful wife that's a partner in ministry with me. She's my best friend, my soulmate, um, but we do life together and we do ministry together. And I couldn't even imagine doing life without uh, my other half because we're partners, you know, uh -huh. we're spiritual partners, um, but we're but we're just, we're there for each other and we have great communication. So my question for you is like, <clears throat> when you found out, he says, I don't want to be with you anymore. Um, during those most difficult moments in life, how were you able to navigate through that stuff? What are some things that you did that could maybe help somebody listening to this? You know, I think one of the things, and I'm not saying I did it right, um, but you got to surround yourself like with good people is part of it. Um, and again, I think that you're absolutely right in what you say about you self-reflect and, you know, what did I do wrong? I have been in relationships since then. I have not gotten remarried. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think that this summer was the first time that I really figured it out. And I was just like, I wasn't healed yet. And one of the things that's really important is sometimes we want to run from our divorce and find that person that's going to fit the bill that we really were looking for and to fill that gap. And we to be healthy in future relationships, we need to heal and get through what we were before. There was a point in time, and like I said, I came from good parents in a traditional family, but when there's four girls in your in your family and none of us live in the area, when you come back, people are always asking, which daughter is this one? And there was a point in time, one day after church, my dad was visiting with one of the guys, the parishioners, and he said, this is my daughter. She's the one that's divorced. And it stung. Of all oh. the things I had done in my life, I was being tagged because I was the divorced one. And it took me a long time but it's not the approval of my earthly father. It's not the approval of anybody else. It's the eyes that God sees me with. And I am not saying I was perfect in my marriage. I'm not saying I did everything right. I don't think I was a horrible wife, but we all make mistakes. And I think the other thing is, you know, when I did some counseling after the divorce, my counselor said to me something that just resonated for me. And as being a codependent, because as a codependent, we're going to fix everything. And he said, when somebody turns it to the off switch, there's nothing you can do. And that was really hard for me because my entire life, if I wanted to get a better job, then I go to school. If I wanted to yep. do this, then I did this. If I wanted this, I, you know, jump through this hoop. But I couldn't do that to make my marriage work because my husband had already turned it to the off switch. And that was really hard. And I think you need to look at yourself. You need to heal from where you're at because you go through a whole grieving process like a death, but yet you have to deal with rejection and abandonment. And you have to think that God doesn't look at you that way. And you weren't the only one that was rejected and you haven't. And that's, that's our humanness. And I think for my husband, in particular, he believed the lies that the enemy was telling him. He did have some extracurricular activity going on. And I'm sure that his thought was this other person's going to be just wonderful and so much better than what I have. And that's what the enemy likes to tell you, likes to tell you that, you know, if you just get out of this marriage, if you just go do this, you'll find somebody who is X, Y, Z better than the person that you have right now. 
And that's just all lies that the enemy is going to tell you. I think one of the things that I have learned over delving into the Bible in the last several years is the woman at the well. And when we think about the woman at the well and that she's been married five times before and the person she's with, she isn't married to, we instantly think she's a floozy. We think horrible things about her. But if you really understand Jewish culture, a woman could not divorce a man. Only a man could divorce a woman. So not only did she get abandoned by one person like me? She had been abandoned over and over and over. But who was the person that came to her? It was Jesus. And Jesus saw so much in her that she ended up going out and prophesying and telling about what was happening with the Lord and the person that she had met. But in addition to that, she was the first person that Jesus said, I am the I am. She was the first person outside of the disciples that Jesus declared who he was to. And so this woman who had been rejected all these times, Jesus just says, no, you're coming into the fold with me and I am going to show you how special you are. So you got to, you got to have some, you got to have some integrity in knowing how God sees you and how much God loves you, even if you made mistakes, even if you were the problem, even if you were the one that walked away, he will give you the healing in it. But my word of advice is make sure that you heal before you get into another marriage or long-term relationship, because it's not going to end well. And you see this all the time. People have been married three, four times. It's because you go to fill that gap and you never take care of who you are and find yourself. And when you do that, you find contentment between you and the Lord that you don't need that other person. When that other person comes into your life, it's amazing and it's wonderful and it's the best blessing in the world. But you need to have the relationship with the Lord first and know how the Lord sees you. Amen. I actually talk about that in uh, overcoming codependency because I would say when you break up with somebody and get turn around and go right back with somebody else, it becomes a relationship obsession. You just you you're 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 afraid to be alone. Um, you'll tell things in your mind like, "Well, I can't sleep by myself," or "I just can't be by myself anymore in this world," you know. And you get into relationships for all the wrong reasons. And unfortunately, it's a bad choice to just jump right into a relationship right after a relationship. And then it turns into like this revolving door where all of a sudden you go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship. And really what I call that is insanity, doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. And like in order to break that chain, we have to understand that codependency is rooted in adultery. God wants us to put him first. And when we put mm -hmm. somebody else in place of God, you're basically idling that, that person, place, or thing, whatever that is. Some people put their children before God, their children before their own life. Some people will put their career or their job um, before God or before uh, their own needs. Some people will worship money and, and that's all they're focused on is just money, money, money. And those are all idols. And mm -hmm. God wants us to put him first. And when we really do put God first, he begins opening the doors for us to have proper relationships with everyone else. But I feel like if you can't 
get that right first and just have that relationship with God first, then bad things um, continue to happen as far as relationships go. And you'll wonder why there's drama. You wonder why um, there's toxic relationships and abuse that happens over and over. So um, for me, I, after my divorce, I was, I, I was so hurt. I was so hurt by the divorce because it affected my daughter. So my daughter was really young when I got with this woman and she was just a little, little girl. And by the time we got divorced, my daughter was from, I think from like three, maybe to seven. And so by the time she was seven, that like, that was like her stepmom, like, and that was a real relationship for my daughter. So it didn't just hurt me. It hurt my little girl. And so it really hurt because we had kids. There, there was a tie there, you know, and I didn't want to just jump into another relationship and like, here's my daughter. And, you know, you're not going to hurt my baby girl. She just got hurt. So for a couple of years, I did not want to have a relationship with anybody. I spent time just, just me and my girl. Um, you know, I got blessed to raise my daughter, you know, from the time I got out of prison, um, when she was, you know, five months old. Um, and then uh, I had her, had custody of her. And then I ended up violating going back just for a little bit of time coming back out. And I've had her the whole time until she was 18 years old. I, I raised my child. And so um, I've been very blessed by God to be able to do that, to be a father raising their, their daughter. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that I, I took that two years before I, I started dating again. And then that's when I met my wife now. Um, but I took that time to do some self-care um, mm -hmm. to do some, because, you know, I'm like all those things, you know, you think about like, what did I do wrong? You know, what do I need to change? You know, maybe I need to do something else, you know? So you, you really do this self-reflecting. And I think I was about 30 and that's another thing. Like I lost my dad, um, who was my provider who raised me. And so like, there's something about when you lose your, your parent, when you lose the one that raises you, you have to like grow up really fast. There's, mm -hmm. you know, my dad's not going to buy me out no more. I can't borrow 20 bucks. I, and I can't go to his house and eat something out of his refrigerator. Um, that's not there anymore. Uh, all I have is God. Like all I had was God in prison, but now on the streets, all I have is God because I don't have anybody else to go to. My dad's gone. My mom lives thousands and thousands of miles away in Taiwan. And so it was just me and my girl and I protected that. And I'm so glad I did. So yes, um, if you've gone through a divorce or you're going through a divorce or you're going through a, a, a breakup, take that time to love yourself. Take that time to love God and God will show you how to love yourself and, and, uh, take that time to, you know, do some things that you enjoy. And I learned, um, after that divorce that I needed to do some different things. And so I started doing photography. I started gardening. I just started doing things I'd never done. Like I'd always done all these other things, but I never did photography. I've never did any gardening, but it was therapeutic for me to 
plant a flower and watch it grow and then it bloomed and you know have a garden and all of a sudden i could grow these vegetables and make my own salsa so for me it was very healing and doing something else and getting my mind off of the hurt and the pain and letting it go and i really like what you said about they turned the switch off right they turned it off on you 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 can't you can't fix that Right. And it made me realize that you cannot, you have to accept things for the, what, what they are mm-hmm. and just move on because you can't go back to the past. You can't change that. You can't change that person. No matter how much you want, you might want to, or try, you can't fix anyone. You mm-hmm. can't change anybody. If anybody wants to change, they have to do it. And even in recovery now, I help people overcome, you know, addiction and stuff like that. But here's the deal. If you're not ready and committed to wanting to change, I'm not going to spend that much time on you. I'm going to spend time with the other person that's in front of me that wants my time because they want to change. Um, And that's the thing. You just have to want something different. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really important, too, is as you seek that person and after you find that you found that healing and those other things and you find that love in yourself is knowing that when you have found the Lord and the Lord has been what has healed you, you don't want to engage. You don't want to engage in a relationship with somebody who's not equally yoked. I've been down the road of, you know, oh, they believe in God, so it's all good. And then I find out that they're not where I'm at. And you've got to find somebody who has the strong faith that you have that if the faith is what has brought you out of this and you love the Lord so much, don't sacrifice that relationship by being with somebody who doesn't love the Lord as much as you do, because it's when he, that person loves the Lord as much as you do, that you will truly have that amazing relationship that everybody yearns for. Yeah. Um, I've, I've given out this advice. Um, they're like, how do you know when someone's the right one? And when I'm talking to Christians, you know, uh, when the person that you're in love with loves God more than you, that's who you want to fall in love with because they're going to love you so much better (laughs) because they love God first. Right. Because they have a healthy, non-codependent relationship with God. Right. We often have relationships with God because it's like, God, help me. I'm in I'm going through it right now instead of having a relationship where he's just with you in the morning, with you during the day, with you at night, he's with you all the time. I don't don't just pray to God, you know, when you need him, pray to God when you don't need him. <laughs> and sometimes what happens is people seek God until they find that person, find a person. Yes. And then they start drifting away from God because of the relationship that they're in. And then they wonder why the relationship isn't going well eventually. You know, you always have that honeymoon time when it's just absolutely wonderful, but it will start to drift away when you're not equally yoked. There is so much power in that. And the thing is, when you marry somebody who is equally yoked with you, you have that three strand cord. And that is so important because you know, there's times in marriage where you feel like you give 110% and they feel like they're giving 110%. 
and it's just not working and you need to have the Lord in the middle to bridge that because we all get selfish, regardless of what we want to say about ourselves. We all get selfish. It's just the way we are. It's our flesh nature. Yep. So if you're single and you're watching this video, your next pickup line is, Hey, do you want to go to church? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's the test. Cause actually that's so, so awesome because uh, when I met my wife um, and we started dating, um, she was in a really bad relationship. I was in a really bad relationship. She had lost her uh, mother tragically. I lost my father tragically. So we already were broken. We already had some, you know, healing that we needed to deal with in the moment. Um, but we were ready for a relationship, but we were only ready if God was first. And so, she, and, and so I asked her, if she wanted to go to church. Um, she didn't like the church I went to. <laughs> so, and she, cause uh, it was a, a much more traditional small church. We met like in a rec center. It was like a church plant type of setting. Um, just a few, a handful of people. Um, but the pastor loved me, man. And I had never met a pastor ever that saw me like Jesus saw me like ever. And he just, he saw me just like Jesus did. And so I fell in love with pastor, man, pastor Tony Jones, man of God, love that dude. Um, but my wife was, grew up Pentecostal. So she grew up in a charismatic church where, you know, they're moving, they're worshiping, they're clapping their hands, they're raising their hands, you know, all that, you know, so, and <laughs> she's a worshiper, man, and so we ended up going to her church, and that was okay, because that was the church I went to when I did Celebrate Recovery, after mm -hmm. I had gotten clean, um, um, off my drug addiction of meth, which, by the way, I'm celebrated now. I just celebrated last week 17 years Ooh, of sobriety. Yay. Praise That's the Lord. Awesome. Okay? Congratulations. 17 years. Yay. Praise the Lord. That's great. Yeah. But I can't tell you enough. What you said is just, it's just hitting the nail right on the head with, of the, with the hammer. Um, being equally yoked. Be with somebody that um, is like-minded, kingdom-minded. Be with somebody that you can go and worship God together. It's the best. It is the You're best. better to be alone than to be with somebody who pulls you from your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, for real. Yes, that is awesome. Well, God is I, so cool. So being alone for me has allowed me to raise my children because I became a single mom. Um, and I have a grandson now, and now I just, I don't have to split my time with anybody. I can just go play anytime I want. So um, there's been some really cool things about it. You, you find beauty in where you're at. You know, life is never going to be perfect. If you are looking for life to become perfect before you find joy and happiness, you're never going to find joy and happiness because it's never going to be perfect. That's right. That's right. And that brings up one more thing before we end this uh, podcast tonight is that don't wait to have a relationship with God. Uh, don't wait to say like, I have to get some things right first. Exactly. Don't do that. Um, you can go to God just the way that you are. Um, it's just like the story of the prodigal son who mm -hmm. asked his dad for his inheritance um, and this is what Luke 15, I believe, and read the story. And he 
took all the money and spent it and blew it and uh, was in a land where he didn't belong around people that he didn't belong. And he went back home. And the best part about this story is like when the father saw him at a distance, he ran back to him. He ran to him. And then he clothed him with a robe. He went and told him to, you know, prepare the best meat, the best meal, have a party and a festival. And the brother was upset. Like, why are you treating this? Why are you treating my, my brother like this when I've been here this whole time? And the story just goes to show you that God loves you no matter how far you've drifted away. It's the point that you came back. And so that's how we have a right relationship with God is by going to him and repenting of your sins. You know, the Bible says that for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And so if you just have faith and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over your life, believe, confess with your mouth that he is Lord, believe with all your heart that he died on the cross for your sins. He was resurrected from the dead. Uh, you will have eternal life that you can be saved. You know, I, I said it before um, earlier, John three sixteen. it's my favorite verse because that verse alone um, lets you know that God loves you, but God loves the whole world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You have eternal security with God, the creator, when you have a relationship with him and you go to him. And for me, I didn't deserve it. Like I was a drug dealer, gang member, sentenced to 30 years of None prison. None of us deserve it. I didn't deserve it. I got on my None knees. I cried out to the Lord and I said, God, I'm a sinner. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit came and loved me and gave me joy, gave me peace. And I just felt, I felt. Like I wasn't alone anymore. And I want you, if you're watching and you don't have a relationship with God, to just ask him to be in your life. Ask him to come in. He won't leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll minister right to you. He's the God of peace and he'll give it to you. And he's waiting Thank you. right now for you. <laughs> he's waiting right now for you. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, Psalms 34. I'm going to read this. Psalms 34, 17. It says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When you're crushed, God's there. He hears your cries and he just wants to love you and to uh, just hold you, hold you tight and be with you. Yeah. So thank you again, Tamala. It was great having you on Kingdom Minded. It was such a blessing to just hear how you've overcome so much in your life and how you have joy now and and how God's using you in ministry and Bible study and, and women uh, leading in women and all the things that you're doing. And now you're doing uh, the devotion and another book and stuff like that. So that that is just so awesome. Because he didn't just help you. Now you're helping other people in a whole nother way now. That's so awesome. Yeah, I'd be getting stuff done a lot faster, but I still have to do a full-time job because I have to pay my bills still. You know, they still send them every month, you know. Yes. But I will tell you, I also work full-time in oncology. And I, what you said about waiting to get perfect, just don't wait for any reason. 
you know, our life can be so short. I see it every day and we're not promised tomorrow. Know yeah. where you're going. Know your savior. It's important. Right. It's That's important. Right. Our world can change in the blink of an eye and it can be over in the blink of an eye. And you want to know him. You want to know him for your walk on this earth, but you also want to know him for knowing where you go afterwards. I've been saved for 25 years and I could not possibly imagine life without Christ in my life right now. It, it's, it would, it would be terrifying to me to, to not have a relationship with God. There's no way I would do it. No way. Um, because he's the one that's helped me overcome all the hurt, all the trauma, all the pain, all the abandonment, um, everything. He helped, he helped heal me. And now I can help other people in a healthy way. I can help mm -hmm. other people find freedom in Jesus Christ. Yes. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on here again. It was such a, an honor to have you on. I really appreciate it. It was thank my you. privilege. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord.